All right, we are going to pray because Ronnie said we should pray, and I have found that that's the only way to shut some of you guys up, okay? So we're going to do that right now. Father, as we come before you, we ask your blessing upon Ronnie again this session, and Father, uh, uh, help us to be uh, blessed as we listen, Father, as we have spirits that are here not simply to gather information, but Father, to experience transformation. So move in our hearts, Father, be with the speakers upstairs, and God, with all of us, help us uh, Father, share in, in, in the fellowship that you give us that allows us to go out and to bring others into that fellowship. And Father, we thank you for this reality and this ministry in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Chuck one, two. All right. Wow. I, I thought we would have a smaller room for this class. Um, how, how many of you are, are tired of talking about race? Raise your hand. If you're tired, okay. Why are you in here then? Why? why? <laughs> I'm tired too. Uh, I'm tired too. Um, is there anybody in here from Wisconsin? Uh, the group from Wisconsin. I saw them last night. It was great fellowshipping with you guys a little bit last night. They were at the hotel and they were having a meeting. They were uh, I was like, what's going on in there? And they were having a meeting in the, in the breakfast room, and it was, you know, at like 10 o'clock at night or something. I don't know. And uh, they all came out, and they were just, they were debriefing because they all went to different classes, and they were just having a discussion about what they were learning. And so I, I asked the brother, I said, you know, how did you guys even find out about this conference? And he said that one of their pastors was, you know, typing it, you know, campus ministry conference online or something like that, and they saw this. And one of them said that when he saw the topics, he was like, I gotta go to this because it's either gonna be really good or really, really bad. And like, either way, I've gotta see it. And uh, so it's great to have you here, and you're in this class where we're gonna talk about kingdom identity over racial identity. And uh, so we'll see how this goes. You guys will have some stories to tell going back either way. Uh, but in, in a lot of ways, this is, this is easy to talk about. It's easy to talk about this because Jesus makes things simple, uh, which we'll get into. Uh, but... In some ways, the conversation that we're going to have right now, we've got to keep between us. This is, this is for people in the kingdom. Because a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about, it just doesn't make sense outside of Christ. It, it doesn't make sense in the world. You know, if, 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 if this is being streamed or whatever, I mean, I'm sure it'll get out there to the public. But people will just say, you know what, <laughs> these people are living in a fantasy world. All right? Um, that we're just crazy. And why do I say that? Well, because number one, race isn't real. A lot of you know this, but for those of you that don't, uh, that's the truth. Race is not real. It's fiction. Uh, there are no races in the Bible. Race is not in Scripture. 
all right? Even some of the translations that will put the word race in there, it's their attempt to speak to modern minds, but it's, it's a poor translation, honestly. It's a poor choice because there is no such thing. There's no such thing as a race or species within the human race. There's no such thing. And scientifically, there's no such thing. Uh, researchers that, that examine, you know, the, the human genome, uh, they, the differences between myself and uh, my brother of Asian descent or Hispanic or whatever, I mean, the differences genetically are one one-hundredth of a percent. And that one one-hundredth of a percent uh, has to do with the exterior, has to do with the shade. I mean, it, it's so minuscule that it really is no such thing. There's not much of a difference between any of us. And there's only one race. That's the human race. That's it. And the idea of different races, we, we, this is important to understand, that it's something that's fairly new. It's not even 600 years old. It's fairly new in human history. And it was contrived to justify conquering people and enslaving people, all right? So the idea of race, it starts, you know, in the late 1500s. It's probably full-blown in the 1700s. Uh, and it, was, it started with Europeans who were trying to justify uh, other peoples. And it didn't start with African American, you know, Africans. It, it started with Irish people, where they, they considered them inferior, that they were savages, and they tried to overtake them and couldn't. And then they set their sights on other places. But the idea of categorizing people, it has everything to do, at least when it comes to its origins, Everything to do with inferiority and superiority. It had everything to do with saying, you're not made in the image of God, but we are. So there's no white race. There's no black race, there's no yellow, red. These things are not real, they are fiction. We are all image bearers of God. When it comes to intellect, when it comes to whatever, I mean, the gifts are dispersed, the abilities are dispersed, so that we can have civilizations, but ultimately so that we can be led to God. And look, I know 
that even though it isn't real, it's not going to change once we walk out here. You know, we can decide that in here and we can, you know, it can be a secret among us, or, you know, so to speak. And, and we can look at one another better and we can, you know, it can change how we treat people, how we look at ourselves. We'll talk about that. Um, but the class title is appropriate, right? You know, kingdom identity over racial identity. Why? Because it's fiction anyway. Right? It's not real. So we might as well grab hold of what is real. And we might as well look at what is real. Now, what's not fiction is prejudice. What isn't fiction is division, tribalism, favoritism, all right? I mean, there's so many isms. And all the isms just reflect sin, ageism, ableism, whatever it is. It's all about sin. It's all about prejudice. And Christ came to end all of that. Are you guys with me here? Christ came to end it all. Galatians 3, 26 through 28. So in Christ, Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into, all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. This is what it means to be clothed with Christ. All these other labels go away. All these things that don't matter go away. And we get to have unity in Christ because we put on Christ. That you are, the idea that we need to live as a Christian more than a male or a female, that, that's, a, that's a mind trip. That you need to identify yourself with Christ more than, any of, more than any of the roles that you have in your life, more than you're a husband, son, daughter, wife, whatever it is, that we have to see ourselves as Christ. He says this to the church in Colossae as well. And he puts this in the category of things that we have to put to death. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. We're talking about earthly nature. The favoritism, the tribalism, this is, this is just, these are carnal things. We have to put these things to death, like sexual immorality, like impurity, lust evil desires, greed, idolatry. It says, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must, rid, you must also rid yourselves of all such things as 
filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self and its practices and have uh, put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Where is here? Where is here? Here is the kingdom of God. Here is the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom, we take off these labels. In the kingdom, we see what is real. In the kingdom, we see image bearers of Christ everywhere on the earth. In the kingdom, we see the lost children of God everywhere. We see lost souls. We see people beautifully and wonderfully made, displaying the glory of God all over the earth, but who are entrapped in sin. That's what we see. Before Christ, there's two types of people, at least to the Jewish mind. There were Jews and there were Gentiles. And Paul is saying, now, no, it's lost, saved, that's it. There's no Jew, there's no Gentile. This is what kingdom identity is about. So how do we make sure that here in the kingdom that Christ is number one? All right, that Christ is in all, that he is all. How do we do that? Well, we just have to pay attention to Christ. We have to take our cue from Christ. And we have to embrace kingdom identity by embracing some other identities, which we'll go through. Number one, we all have to identify as a minority. Every single one, those in here who would be considered white, you have to identify as a minority if you're going to have a kingdom identity. Why? Because Jesus identified as a minority. First John. I'm sorry, John 1.14, we, we know this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. The word of God, the logos, put on flesh, but not just any flesh. He put on the flesh of an oppressed minority. He put on the flesh 
of a Jew. But not while the Jews were on top. He didn't put on this flesh. He didn't come. When David and, you know, not long after David and, and, and the Jews were running things, conquering places, he didn't come then. When did he come? When they were on the bottom. He came right before Jerusalem would be destroyed. I mean, this is like, you know, let's say God's plan was for Jesus to come as an African. And he didn't come during some of these empires. He didn't come, you know, with Egypt when they were a world empire. Or he didn't come, you know, with some of these other great empires. He decided to come when they were enslaved in the United States. That's what this is almost like. I mean, it's like, this is the wrong time. Like, you're going to come now? So Jesus, our Lord, uh, he knows what it's like to be a minority. And he knows what it's like to be oppressed. And, you know, he knows what it's like to not be on top, not to be the majority. I mean, he wasn't just, he didn't just put on the flesh of an oppressed minority. He was a minority within the minority because of his faith, right? I mean, the road just gets narrower and it just gets more and more narrow, right? He was a minority within his minority, an outcast because of his beliefs, because of what he was trying to build. You know, every follower of Jesus is in a minority. If you are on the narrow road, if, you're, if your desire is to be one of the few that make it into the kingdom of heaven when everyone else is on the wide road, then you are a minority and you have to embrace that. We can't look at the world like everything is for us, that every, you know, has, has us in mind for everything. No. No. That's just not how it goes. You know, and, and people that are minorities in this country, this is a reality. This is something that we know. That everything doesn't have, you know, those in the margins in mind. And that's what this world is like. And we just got to get used to that. We've got to understand. We are people of the kingdom. And we're going to let the world be the world. We're not going to try to join in. Not everything is for us. You know, I love the NBA. I've been watching the finals. I'm rooting for the Suns. I love Chris Paul. Um, but Suns fans are incredible, and they've been talking about it throughout the playoffs, just the way their, their fans are. And not just at home. I mean, at their home games are incredible. But on the road, I mean, they travel. And it's, it's, it's really a great experience when you are 
the away, you know, when you're rooting for the away team and you go to the other stadium and you're there and you see the others, it's like we're in the battle together. And that's actually happened. Uh, I believe it was an away game where one of the Suns fans got into a fight. Uh, do you guys, did you guys hear about this? They got into a fight and it was filmed. Sun, yeah, yeah, they, they got into a fight and some other Suns fans, you know, got in to help and then Devin Booker found out about it and like, you know, treated the fans or something, something crazy. But, you know, there's, there's a camaraderie that happens when you are the minority among the majority, when you're the away team. There's, there's a camaraderie that happens. I mean, this, this I don't know uh, if this happens to some of you, but it happens to Shamar and I all the time. We'll be in a venue, we'll be somewhere where there's a lot more people that are considered white, and there's just like us, and we see another person of African descent, and there's like eye contact that happens. <laughs> I don't know how many of you are aware of this, but it's not just a nod, it's like, hey, like, <laughs> I see you, bro. It's like, look, it's a look that says, if something goes down, I got you. I'm jumping in or I'm filming, you know, like, it's just a thing. It's like, I don't know what your name is, brother, but all right. I'm over here. I'll keep my I keep surveillance on where you are. That's just that's just what happens when you're the away team. And it should bring it should build camaraderie in the church. When we look at ourselves as the minority, we are all we have. We've got I mean Jesus I mean what did he do? He was close to God and he was close to people. That's what this should lead us to. That when we know that we are the underdog, we have to rely on God. We have to be close to him. We've got to know his word. We've got to, we've got to engage in prayer in every way, and we've got to be close to each other. We've got to build relationships. That's just what you do when you're outnumbered. And that love for each other and that love for God is what helps us to overcome the world, overcome its ways. I hope that makes sense. This is just what Jesus did. We have to identify as a minority. Number two, we have to identify as a foreigner. This is what kingdom identity is all about. We've got to take on the identity of a foreigner. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. When he's talking to Pilate and, uh, you know, he says this. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Jesus looked at himself as a foreigner. Among his own people. And his main concern was doing what God sent him to do. God sent him to this foreign land 
to build a kingdom. To build a, an outpost, a, a colony of the heavenly kingdom. And he sent him to bring others into this kingdom so that they can be citizens. And this is why Paul says in Philippians 3 verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. Peter says this, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. In Hebrews, after talking about some of these incredible heroes of the faith, says all these people were still living by faith when they died, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. They were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Do you identify as a foreigner? I'm talking about those of you that are born in this country. Do you identify as a foreigner? Do you act more like an American than a Christian? It's a good question to ask. Did you know God is not American? He isn't. And, and more people in this country who claim to have faith need to understand that. I mean, are your view are, are a lot of your views and post pro-American? As a Christian? Do you see a problem with that? Let me ask you this. How would you feel about Christians in China, Russia, Iran, expressing patriotic views? How would you feel about that? If disciples in Iran, if you were friends with them and they were posting pro-Iran content, how would you feel? How unified would you be with them? Or would you think that that's a problem? Yeah, I think you would think it was a problem. So why is ours okay? Is this, do we think this is God's country? Do we think that we are the savior of the world? That, that God has chosen us? And that he's more American than anything else? Is that what you think? No. He's got his own kingdom. He doesn't care about this. He's trying to build his kingdom. And if you're a Christian, you need to identify as a foreigner. Your allegiance is to who? See, anything else, it hinders our unity. 
Any other view is what gets us fighting and devouring each other. We've got to identify as foreigners. Jesus did. And we're trying to follow him, right? Right? I mean, I'm sorry. Maybe the, did the disciples go upstairs? Am I in the wrong room? We've got to identify as a foreigner, last but not least. We have to identify as needy. We have to identify as needy. Why? Because Jesus did. Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick. You looked after me, I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? Verse 40, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels, for I was hungry. You gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. Verse 45, I tell you, whatever you did, you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So what what is going on here? Jesus is talking about what will happen in the future? A conversation that we, he will have with people in the future. Right? And he will explain to them what has been happening up until that point. You guys follow? He's going to explain to them what's been going on all this time leading to this point that he's addressing them. And he tells them, he tells those that go to heaven, the sheep, that they have been feeding him, that they have been visiting him, that they have been clothing him all this time. And they said, what? What what are you talking about? We, we, We are confused. And he's saying, look, every time you have served someone in need, you have been serving me. So what does that mean for us today? What's today's date? July 10th, 11-13. You know what's happening right now? Right now, Jesus is hungry. Somewhere, right now, Jesus is hungry. Right now. 
Jesus needs clothing. Right now, he is shut in and needs someone to visit him. Right now, while we're in here, Jesus is out there in need. Every person who is in need, whenever they're at that point, they're Jesus. And he tells the righteous, you fed me. And he tells those that were the goats that will go to, you know, experience eternal torment, says, you didn't. You didn't meet my needs. You ignored me. I didn't see you. You know, it's not like yesterday, you know, I think it was TC. You know, it's, it's not just the Lord saying, I never knew you. He's saying, I didn't see you. You weren't there. Now, those of us that know that we have crucified Jesus, the last thing we want to do is leave him hungry. The last thing we want to do is ignore him, right? And we don't usually ignore the people that we consider our people. We don't usually ignore them. We don't ignore the children that look like what we used to look like when we were young, if they're in need. We have to identify as needy. What does that mean? That means whenever anyone is in need, they are your people. They are your people, regardless of their shade, regardless of their upbringing. Anyone who is in need, they are your people. Why? Because they are Jesus. Jesus identified as a person in need. And we're not about ignoring Jesus in need, amen? We're not trying to do that. So that means that any person that's poor, that's, that's needing help, and they don't even have to be poor. They can just, they can be in need in some way. Whenever they're there, they're our people. And we are showing up. That's what that means. That doesn't mean that it's, you know, it's up to the Latin brothers and sisters to meet those needs in their community. Or the black brothers and sisters to meet this need and, and step up in their community. No. If I'm black, and there's a white person that's in need. They are my people. Because that's Jesus. Same thing, vice versa. We, that's, this is what kingdom identity is about. Is this making any sense? Now, we have to live in the reality of this world, and, and people are going to treat us according to what they think we are. And that's fine. Um, but we, and you know, we have to start with, 
we got to start from the inside out. You know, Jesus, who did he start reaching out to first? His people. He started out reaching out to the Jews. It wasn't just the Jews. It started out with his family. The people who had relationships with him. That's where he started. But he was soon rejected by those people, right? And then where did he go? Anyone that was open. That was the pattern. The Jews, they would go to a city. They start with the people who might embrace them naturally through relationship. They would go to the synagogues first. And then if it didn't work with them, they went to the Gentiles. And I think that that order just has to do with relationships and how we work. Yes, we should start with people that might be open to us. It's kind of like, you know, finding a person of peace. But Jesus' goal was always all nations, all people. His goal was always all the needs that he would, you know, this is just God's pattern and we have to identify as needy. Uh, the goal of all this is unity. If we're going to have a kingdom identity, the goal of all these things is for us to truly be unified as Jesus prayed for in John 17. When he's praying about verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray, you know, he was praying for the apostles, but now he's saying I'm not praying for the, just them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, can you be more unified than that? May they also be in us so that the world will believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me. And he says, so that they would be brought to complete unity then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The goal is unity. The goal is not diversity. Diversity, we're not, that's, that's, that should not be a goal of the church. Diversity is not the same as unity. Diversity is, in, in a lot of ways, it's the best the world can do. The best the world can do is say, let's cooperate with each other. Let's work together. And we're going we're gonna to let you in, and we are going to work with you. We're going to work together. That's like the best the world can do is put on you know, a diversity ad, a, 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 an image of diversity saying that we will work with everyone. But diversity is not unity. That doesn't mean that they're in each other's homes. Just because they work together, just because they're at the same board table, it doesn't mean that their hearts are really with each other. Jesus prayed for unity. And unity means that we are family. 
that we have the same blood. We are from the same homeland. We are from the same birthplace. And that is who we are if we are born in Christ. So this is why we live as foreigners. This is why we identify as people in need. This is why we embrace kingdom identity over any of these other any of these other labels that will not last for eternity. Amen. I hope this makes sense. Uh, how much time do we have? Do we have time for an open discussion? Somebody. Five or so minutes. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I said a discussion because uh, I'm not going to be answering some of the If you have a question, I, I might open it up for somebody else. I don't have all the answers. But, uh, so, let's talk. Any uh, questions or comments? Yes. This is right. What you said is right. And if there's anything that any of us can, can say ought to be said in Tuesday, we, we ought to feel good about being the minority. We're the minority. Praise God. Praise God. We can stand up for Jesus Christ in a world who does not understand and does not love Jesus, but we do. I praise God I'm part of the minority. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. So, uh, yeah, let's talk. Any uh, questions? Did I offend anyone? To, uh... Yes. Okay. Ronnie, just first, uh, first of all, just a big amen um, to everything that you said. And that's rare for me to say, but um, amen. And um, I, I would like to hear you talk about, uh, because amen to the one race. One race. There's one blood. That's what the scriptures tell us. Uh, can you speak to the diversity of not race? but ethnicity and how we need to still appreciate that in the midst of this discussion. Yeah, amen. Um, I mean, I don't know if this will answer your question, but I think that, uh, yeah, we, we have to, um, we've got to love the differences. We've got we've to love um, different cultures and uh, ethnicities among us and um, we can't think that one is more important than the other. Um, I don't know if this is going to totally address your question, but I think that we, we have to be... Our goal has to be the Great Commission. Our goal has to be to reach every ethnicity, every culture, whatever, whatever way we can. That has to be the goal. And one of the things that I've seen is uh, in churches that we've um, frequented and, and been a part of, sometimes the goal is to evangelize our area our way. 
what does that mean? Our way means every ethnicity has to come in and worship with us together. And sometimes that means that they have to assimilate to the dominant culture. That in order for them to be a part of the church, they've got to be a part, they've got to assimilate to the, the dominant culture. And, um, you know, so there are some that feel like if you have a all-black church or an all-Hispanic church or whatever, that there's something wrong with that because it should be all nations, you know, in the same room. Well, that's not what the Bible says. And um, we just need to do whatever it takes to reach various people um, and appreciate it. It's not, you know, it's not like, you know, the quality is, is not as good because it's dominated by one ethnicity or one culture. No, this is where the appreciation for all of God's children, for all of, you know, ethnicities and, and cultures, this is where that comes in, where, you know, we don't just have to have everybody make it into the kingdom our way, that we are, we are we're more spirit-driven uh, to meet the needs of people. So I don't know if that exactly answers your question. Maybe it was an opportunity for me to just say that. Maybe I just took it, but hopefully uh, that's helpful. Do you think that answers your question? If not, we can talk more later. Yeah. Amen. I appreciate that. I got a question for you, Ronnie. Um, Where are you? Right here. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay. All right. It's kind of scary. You know, like, uh, I don't know. Is he big? Is he small? <laughs> you know, is he angry? What, what, what kind of look? Okay. Yeah. I, I can handle it. I, no. <laughs> I feel better now. I feel the love. I feel the love. Okay. Um, so do you believe it's valuable to recognize racial identity and these type of things as a way of automatic and implicit connection to people to ultimately, like, to ultimately fulfill the Great Commission. Yeah, absolutely. That, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, part of the reason why I said, you know, Jesus started with, you know, his people and his family and, and just worked his way out. Um, I think that that's just what that's about is, you know, you try to work with, you know, natural connections. Um, but again, we've got to go past that. Like, I think that when it comes to Christ being formed in us, you know, that's, that's kind of easy. And yes, yeah, some of us have a hard time even doing that, but we've got to go deeper in seeing that um, anyone that's in need, you know, we're going to go out as servants, and we're going to make more connections with people when we are servants. Um, so that's what I'd say to that. All right. Okay, the Christians are now in the room. They've come from upstairs. And uh, so, amen. To God be the, let, let's close out with a prayer. Uh, Father, we, we, we just want to imitate Jesus. We know that Jesus makes things a lot more simple. So, Father, help us to put on Christ. Uh, we ask you for wisdom and discernment as we go, uh, that we can be peacemakers. Uh, that we can be agents of peace in your kingdom. And uh, so we're just grateful, Father, that we uh, can overcome the world because of you. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.